Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hi, I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng, and I know some people hate grocery shopping, but Curious City questioner Katie Hansen is another story. I personally love grocery shopping. I often visit multiple grocery stores because I just love it so much. But when Katie shops in Chicago, there's one kind of grocery store she says she misses, the food co-op. Those grocery stores owned by a bunch of members who invest in it and help make decisions about the store, then share in the profits, if there are any. Chicago's got exactly one, with one other in Oak Park. And Katie thinks that's weird, because she's seen plenty of food co-ops in Madison, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis, places a lot smaller than Chicago. So I just was wondering if it was a matter of laws in the city or demographics that would make Chicago not a great environment for something like that to thrive. These are good questions, especially since Chicago is such a big foodie town with such an active local food movement. And Katie's right, we don't have a lot of co-op grocery stores. But it's not really because of laws or regulations. It's more about how certain social and political movements played out here. To understand, you have to go back in history. Stuart Reed is with the Food Co-op Initiative, which helps launch co-ops around the nation. He says here in the United States, the co-op model took off in three main waves. Food co-ops got started during the first wave in the Great Depression, when food and jobs were scarce. Co-ops were one of the solutions for feeding themselves and finding work. There were quite a lot, especially around Minneapolis area, northern Minnesota and Wisconsin. And he notes that up there, there were a lot of Finnish immigrants who had a strong tradition of working cooperatively. So these folks in Minnesota and Wisconsin really glommed on to co-ops, and they wanted to spread the word. They went out and not only delivered food to others, they encouraged them to start their own co-ops. And so up north, those first co-ops beget more co-ops and new businesses just to serve them. Soon, they just became part of the local culture. But in Chicago, not so much. There was one exception, the Hyde Park Co-op. It opened in 1932 and lasted 75 years. It was supported by community organizers and lefty UFC-types who got behind its communal values. But the movement stayed pretty localized. Then there was the second wave. The second wave started in the 60s, tied in large part to the radical and progressive movements of the time, and they were largely co-ops that wanted to sell natural organic food. And health food like alfalfa sprouts and whole wheat flour. This wave hit Chicago big, but mostly as buying clubs where members bought stuff together and distributed it from homes and church basements. Chicago had more than 200 of these clubs by the early 80s, and a few had storefronts, but they didn't last long. Then there was the third wave that we're in right now. 
This wave produced the dill pickle in Logan Square, which opened in 2009. It's a co-op grocery store whose values are apparent as you walk down the aisles. At the dill pickle, we try to prioritize local and organic produce. We have a nice display of all produce coming from one um, local Amish certified organic farmers cooperative. You'll see a lot of the milk that we carry is local. That's Sharon Hoyer, who manages the store. And you might have heard her say local like three times. That's because local food is really important to this wave of co-op members. But as we head downstairs to her office, Hoyer tells me their member owners also value something else, having a say in how the store spends its money. There is less and less transparency in the flow of dollars as businesses become increasingly consolidated. And that's definitely what we see in the grocery industry. I think the Whole Foods buyout by Amazon is probably the most visible example of that. And she says it's these values around local food and greater transparency that are driving this current wave. A wave that's about to get much bigger in Chicago, with several new co-ops in the works right now. No less than a half dozen food co-ops here in Chicago are underway at various stages of development. So there's a, a very large group on the north side, Chicago Market Cooperative. They just signed a lease on a very visible building at the Wilson Stop. And then there are co-ops getting organized in the Austin neighborhood and Rogers Park, as well as a few out in the suburbs. So we're on a wave of momentum of cooperative activity here in Chicago. But before any of these co-ops can open their doors, they have to sign up hundreds of new member investors. And that means throwing a lot of sign-up parties. I recently went to one of these for the Chicago Market Co-op, which plans to open in Uptown. Dozens of people were streaming into their future storefront in the old Wilson L stop. Folks I talked to there were each looking for different things. What things that are cheaper than other stores, for sure. <laughs> I live in Uptown. I've moved here six years ago. So I feel it's important to do something that's part of the community that's going to improve this whole area. I'm looking for something more, I guess, in line with my values because I don't really believe in capitalism as an economic system. But mostly they were going up to a guy named Anthony at the welcome desk who was filling them in on some pretty basic concepts. So this is going to be a full grocery store. Yes. So this space you're looking at is going to be a co-op grocery store. Today, Chicago Market Co-op has about 1,500 members, but they're pushing for a lot more before they open in 2020. And each member has to slap down a minimum of 250 bucks to join. But not all these fledgling co-op stores are aiming to do the same thing. Some are about solving a problem that's plagued their communities for decades, access to healthier groceries. I head to Austin on the city's west side to learn more. So here in Austin, we are a food desert. We have very little access to healthy food options. This is Vanessa Stokes, co-founder of the Austin Community Food Co-op. They're just getting started. But she says for people here, it's a lot less about getting fancy local kombucha than getting... just a conventional grocery store that the community helped to build. Co-founder Brianna Shields says the project is about folks taking control in a community that's seen a lot of disinvestment. So instead of waiting for Whole Foods to save the day, they're taking action themselves. Our residents will be able to have something that's theirs that they can call their own and truly feel it's not from someone else outside of the community telling us what it is that, that we want and need. Greg Berlowitz of the Chicago Market Co-op thinks this latest wave in all its forms could start a chain reaction of co-op activity. And one day, Chicago could end up looking a lot more like Madison, Wisconsin. 
What we've seen in other cities is co-ops spur more co-ops. So when a co-op like Austin called us and said, can you help us start this co-op? We're happy to help. And that culture of co-ops, I think, starts when one co-op is open and successful, like Dill Pickle, then people can see it happening and say, hey, this works, and this is an alternative to the grocery system we have. As for question asker Katie, she said she had no idea that so many co-ops were getting started in Chicago. That's really exciting. It sounds like it's in a lot of diverse neighborhoods, too. One of those neighborhoods isn't far from her home, which makes her excited for a new place to practice her favorite hobby, grocery shopping. This story was reported by me, Monica Eng, Curious City supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Our editor is Alexander Solomon. Our audio producer is Jesse Dukes. Our digital producer is Catherine Nagasawa. And our intern is Olivia Richardson. I'm no less than the Next time on Curious City. It's that time of the year again. The leaves are turning yellow, orange, and red. There's a chill in the air. Halloween stores are suddenly appearing. Our listener wants to know. What's the business plan like behind those pop-up Halloween stores? They just seem kind of, you know, mysterious in that way that they just all of a sudden pop up and then they're gone. Well, behind those stores is a very tenuous business model designed to tap into huge demand. That's next time on WBZ's Curious City. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.